everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We are your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. Pleased to meet you. Hope you guess my name. Oh my God. Nail it. I'm sorry. Are we not Rolling Stone fans uh, in this podcast world? I mean, ridiculous. I do love the Rolling Stones. I mean, uh, from, you know, Keith Richards is uh, Jack Sparrow's dad. You know? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yes, I guess. Uh, dude, okay. So, listen. Sympathy for the Sympathy for the Devil, Becker's Banquet, 1968, man. This is it's a great album. <laughs> it's one of the... I think I just lost is, so many points in your book. It is probably one of my favorite Rolling Stones. It has um, to be. Oh, and of course, you know, from New Girl, CeCe slept with Mick Jagger, so, you know. So cool. <laughs> and then Schmidt thought it was, you know, the Beatles. <laughs> oh my god, I love the Beatles. Uh, well, <laughs> welcome back, everyone. Uh, we hope you enjoyed your uh, Thanksgiving and uh, Black Friday. We hope no one got trampled on Black Friday. No, that's fine. Um, I was working yeah. until midnight, and then had to wake up again at eight and work till nine p.m. on Friday. That's crazy. It uh, it was not fun. Was Ray tie tie? Yes. Ray was tie tie. Yeah, I, yeah. I posted a, a video on my uh, Instagram and Facebook about me just laying in the floor, staring at the ceiling because <laughs> I couldn't uh, I couldn't move. I uh, I don't have Instagram, but I, I don't know how to use it. <laughs> oh my God. It's about a thousand years old. Now. Dude, you just sounded like like the whole OK Boomer meme. Yeah, like, I know. OK Boomer. Uh, I, I mean, I just don't know how to use anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope everyone uh, again enjoyed the, uh, the your Thanksgiving, um, and welcome back. Uh, Jeremy is not too. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm not pleased to be. I mean, of course I'm pleased to be here. This is, it's just, we'll get into it. There's nothing wrong with this movie. It's just, I just didn't enjoy it. So we can, we can just go from there. Uh, Rain, what is our movie today? So if you, if it, uh, anyone recalls, last week we uh, gave a special shout out uh, to our uh, silent partner, Joel Schumacher. Um, Man, and he's, I mean, he is probably at, you know, at full chub right now because we're about to uh, talk. He's been listening day one, yeah, and now he's getting a whole episode just for himself. Just for him. This is a Joel Schumacher exclusive. Um, But we're not going to talk about uh, Batman at all. No, maybe later. Okay. But today, we're talking about uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's, Joel Schumacher's... (laughs) The Phantom of the Opera, which is the 2004 film based on Andrew Lloyd Webber's uh, 1980s uh, Broadway musical that ran for 100 years and is still on Broadway today. I mean, shit. I mean, fucking Cats closed and Phantom of the Opera is still going. (sighs) I know. People love it. People love it. It's it's great. I'm not one of those people. so good, you know, and... (laughs) You know, and as speaking as an orchestra person, you know, playing the violin, like it's just good, man. Like I love, I love some Andrew Lloyd Webber's. Okay, you know, I love Cats. I still don't know if I'm gonna go see that fucking movie, the Nightmare Fuel movie. Yeah, dude, it, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> it looks crazy. You know, <laughs> I can tell you, I'm not gonna see. They, they could have easily, like seriously. I, I know why they didn't do this. Why they didn't do? Because they made a made-for-TV movie back in like the early, like late '90s mm-hmm. of Cats, and 
I had it on VHS. It was a two-tape VHS because that's how long it was. Oh, man. And um, they used professional dancers and singers and leotards and cat makeup. And I know why they didn't do that because I know a lot of the actors and actresses that they used for this new Cats movie probably aren't professional dancers. And it probably would have costed more money to teach James Corden, Rebel Wilson – Taylor it cost, Swift. It would cost money to teach James Corden, James Corden anything. That guy is a <laughs> talentless hack, and I don't know why people like him. Sorry. Shots fired to James Corden, but I'm going to stand by it. I do not like him. I don't think he's funny. I don't know why he has a television show. Um, he's just British, and that's all people like about him, I think. Nah. Anyway, go ahead. But, um, anyway, my hey, point. what's the uh, fan of the opera? Okay. Fan of the opera. Give us a synopsis. Okay. Uh, because if I did it, it would be mean. <laughs> I just, I don't know if I could. I saw it today. Ah. I watched it today. So, okay. Sum up the fan of the opera. It is essentially a love story in 19, no, 1819, no, shit. 1817, Paris. Um... Which is essentially also a love triangle between the Phantom of the Opera, um, Emmy Rossum's character, Christine Daae, mm-hmm. and uh, <gasps> Patrick Wilson. <gasps> Raul! <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Raul or the... I think... Uh, v, is Vicon his last name or is that his title? I don't know. You're supposed I, to know this. No. <laughs> I only heard people just say Raul. <laughs> okay. When, uh, well, no, it's Raul. Uh, Raul makes him sound Spanish and well, they're, they're I'm in gonna Paris. I'm going to say Raul. But it's Raul. It's Raul? Raul. That's lame. I'm just going to say Raul. Raul. Um, Raul. Because he's, he's French. I know it's he's Raul. French. I get it. <laughs> I can't believe we're having this. Anyway, they call, I, I think Deshani is his last name and I think Vicon is his title. Got it. I'm assuming. I don't fucking know. Uh, but anyway, it's a love triangle between those three because Christine and Raul are childhood sweethearts. Yes, that I remember. Um, but the Phantom, who you know hides in the shadows of this... Spoiler alert, uh, not really a phantom. Uh, yeah, he's not dead. <laughs> no. Uh, but he hides you know, in the rafters and the shadows of this opera house, and he falls in love with Christine when she gets to have her shining moment as the leading star of a of an opera because Minnie Driver is the prima donna yeah quite literally and uh, in title form she's the prima donna and walks out yeah um, I mean I just yada yada over the whole first 15 minutes that's fine <laughs> um, <laughs> to me it didn't because I don't remember anything else <laughs> so so the whole film is the phantom uh, really trying to essentially get what he wants from everyone at this opera house. The the opera house is now under new ownership. Yes. And I was told, you know, obviously I was paying attention. Um, <laughs> he gets like, he gets like a weekly or monthly pay. He gets a, a yeah, monthly salary, which is uh, 10,000 francs. That's what? like paying... That's like going to high school and paying your bully to beat you up. That's so weird. I never understood that. Like, like it's like, hey, hey, man, um, here's uh, here's a hundred dollars. Uh, be sure you uh, slam my face in the locker today. Yeah, yeah I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> You're keeping the lights on. <laughs> and the hey, bully's like, oh, you got, I, I got you, dog. I mean, is it like, is it we pay him to not 
to not sabotage the plays? Honestly, the is that what's see, going on? Is that okay. why they're paying him? So honestly, I, I've never figured that out. Okay, I think it's I think it's because he he believes this is his opera house, the Phantom, and he um he, and he wants full control. And so the only way he can get full control is if you pay me. Gotcha. And so it's almost like, you know, I'm going to quote uh, Pete the Cat over here from our Goofy movie episode, uh, keeping him under your thumb. Yeah. So that's what I think it is, is. Or you could be, you know, quoting the Rolling Stones, uh, under <laughs> my thumb, girl, you. Yeah. All right. Um, I love uh, the Rolling Stones. Okay. So. Anyway. Right, right. And then. Sorry, I'm jumping into your synopsis. Um <laughs> Because I really just want to get the snaps. <laughs> uh, and then yada yada yada. He's trying to seduce the the girl Christine. Yada yada yada. Well, he Raul. doesn't try. He does. Raul but... is like, nah, dude. Oh my god. I'm gonna try to seduce you too, homie. And then she's like, that's what's up. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then um, when she got a bowl, she go, oh no, no. This needs what am I finna do? This needs to stop right now. Because there's these uh, two homies. <laughs> fucking God. <laughs> That'd be a little bit. You know what I'm and <laughs> so from the start, I thought that Raul was a bad guy. Because he, okay. was, he was really pushy in the, oh, in in the, the beginning. Room? Right in the dressing room. Yeah, I was like, he's like what the, who's this asshole? You know? Well, and you know, that's when the fandom chimes in with, you know... He's trying to share in the Phantom's triumph, you know, because right. the and, Phantom trained her. And well, takes um, takes her to his magic cave where lit candelabras come help. up from the water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. It's that music of the night, dog. I mean, I guess, dog. <laughs> so, okay. So everyone just disregard Jeremy's synopsis. <laughs> no, because it's spot on. I mean, you're not wrong, I know. but you 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 but you kind of are. It's sort of Beauty and the Beast-esque, right? Except in this case, Gaston gets to leave with Belle. You know what I mean? That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so okay. So history time. Yeah. So the movie is, of course, as I mentioned at the beginning, based on a play, which the play is then based on a book. The book uh, was written in the 1800s by oh, fuck, I can't remember his name. But <clears throat> the plot of the book, from what I understand, I've never read the book, and I've been told if you're a fan of the musical, you wouldn't like the book because there's a lot that Andrew Lloyd Webber sort of altered to make the musical make more sense. Yeah. You probably um, wouldn't like the movie either. Uh, <laughs> 1925. Oh. Uh, Lon Chaney. We'll see. So, okay. So, I'm glad you mentioned that. So, the director of the 1920s, Lon Chaney, Phantom of the Opera, actually met with the the writer of the book and was like, I think we can do this. I think I can make a, a very true adaptation of your book. I think we can do this. And the writer was like, oh, great. You you got it. Um, and apparently the only thing they changed for the 1920s movie, which um, I've only seen once in my life, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I've learned I... <laughs> I've learned I like talking. Oh. <laughs> and I don't... <laughs> I don't like to read if there's no I can't hear any words. So like Inglorious Bastards, I didn't mind reading because I could hear them talking. Uh-huh. So I didn't mind reading. But you don't like yeah, sound like, like title card. I didn't like title card. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm oh, I'm hoping everyone could hear me c- 
clicking my hands like a crab by the microphone. <laughs> like a crab. Yeah. I mean, it was very crab-esque the way you did it. Um, um, but no, so, but I mean, but I didn't, I never disliked the movie. I just, I, I, I was finding it hard to stay attentive. But from what I understand, the only thing they changed was the ending mm-hmm. where he, you know, he's chased by the mob and he's cornered. And he kind of launching. He like raises oh. his arms, like he's gonna do something. It's so brilliant. And then he acts like he has something in his hand. They all recoil, and then he shows them there's nothing, and to laugh as if idiots. And then they all get. And then they kill him. Yeah. yeah, but apparently that was the one thing they changed okay. from the book. Mm. Um, and then of course, you know, over the next fucking there's, including this movie, there's like. Ten other yeah, it was a lot. Phantom of the Opera films, um, none of which do the musical. They all are interpretations of the book. You mm-hmm. know, there's one with Charles Dance. There's a, a Hammer Horror one. There's fucking there's all kinds. Um, I think the two that stand out are this one and the 1920s mm-hmm. films, because the 1920, of course, was the first adaptation of the book, and this one being an adaptation of the musical. Anyway, back to the history lesson. So fast forward to. I want to say early 80s, uh-huh. Andrew Lloyd Webber is uh, riding high on that uh, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar money. Right. And uh, I think uh, Joseph and the Multicolor Dreamcoat. Dreamcoat. Yeah. Um, fuck, I didn't even think Cats, too. Dude, he, Andrew Lloyd Webber is riding high on all his musicals. He's, he's swinging that those nuts everywhere and of course being a very successful architect yes that's Frank Lloyd Wright by the way I need everyone to know that I knew that <laughs> they're two different people right. go ahead um, and Andrew Lloyd Webber's in a uh, I think he said he's in his because you know he's got fucking houses everywhere he, I believe he, I believe he said <laughs> God I believe in the documentary I watched he was in his home in New York and he goes into a used bookstore and he finds a copy of The Phantom of the Opera. And he reads it. And he's so inspired by it that he wants to develop it into a musical. But but really tweak it to where it's, it's this love triangle. And what kind of sparked this is he was beginning a musical... That didn't never made it to Broadway, but it, I think it's one of his. Not really a musical; it was more just like a, a music mm-hmm. that he did with Sarah Brighton, mm-hmm. um, who is one was his was his now ex wife. Um, but he was so inspired by her singing that the Phantom almost mirrors Andrew, mm-hmm. you know, because the Phantom is in falls in love with Christine just by hearing her sing. And so Sarah Brighton was the original Christine for the uh, for the um, the play. I couldn't think of the word. Um, and ye- apparently he tweaked and workshopped every song. They did a bunch of promotions before they finally got it on Broadway mm-hmm. just to make sure that it was perfect. And obviously... It worked since it was running from, I think, 87 to now. To now. It's, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the longest running Broadway shows. And I mean, and there's been several different Phantoms and, and several different Christines and Rowls and all kinds of shit. And it's just, it's so crazy that this musical has literally, tra- like, just... Ugh, 
It's just, it's a good musical, man. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. It's the only musical that they drop a fucking chandelier on the audience. That's I mean, great. not on the audience, but it f- literally, like, I've seen a video where it falls, like, on a track, like, right over the audience's head. That's pretty cool. Yeah, dog. Now. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty sick. Let's go back to the movie. <laughs> because I'll History tell you. lesson over. I'll tell you that I, because like I said, don't hate it. I, okay. I don't, I don't hate the movie. I just didn't, it's, I just didn't dig the movie, but I will tell you things I really did like about okay. it. That's the opening. Uh, I love when the, it's in 1920 19, something. Yeah. Cause it, Oh, I fucked up again. I know. I wasn't going to correct you till now because her was, gravestone at the end says it was, it was 1920. like 1870. Cause yep. it was a 50 year gap. Oh, I'm right. a fucking pleb. That's okay. So I really liked the sort of silent film beginning and then we get into this black and white mm-hmm. and then, you know, the auction or whatever. It's an auction. And then when they lift up the chandelier, it's, you know, everything it's, is being cleaned and it's in color now and we're going back in time. And I really liked that. I was like, yeah. oh, nice job, Joel. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, man. See, so, okay. So, I love the movie. I know. You know, I – now that I'm older, I do – I see some kind of the glaring – problems that a lot of critics had with it like some of the dialogue like they have some of the actual just talking yeah is i'm like really like uh like in that initial scene between raul and christine in her dressing room how patrick wilson and emmy rosam were delivering those lines was like uh, so he was being pushy that's why i thought he was going to be the bad guy like i thought it was going to be a literal beauty and the beast situation and he's guest on but and, and did it throw you for a loop when they sing uh, All I Ask of You? I don't. And I fucking love that song. I love all of these songs, okay? They're so good. I mean, the song I did not like, and I'll, I'll tell you, because I honestly, take it or leave it, the songs were they were fine. <laughs> I didn't like the song explaining to me what a masquerade ball is. Like, I'm a stupid idiot. I don't know what a masquerade ball is. I know what a masquerade ball is. You yeah, know, but, who but, do you think I am? Then you need to... I've seen Eyes Wide Shut lots of times, okay? I, that's a the, different masquerade without ball. Without the, the, the creepy sex cult, I know what a masquerade <laughs> ball is. All right? This is just Eyes Wide Shut without the weird anonymous sex. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you bring up that scene because... So Joel really tried to stick to the... Um, Sorry. <laughs> what? No, I just... <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> so Joel really tried to stick to the the musical, like yeah. being very, uh, uh, you know, d- direct with the musical. But he did do some subtle references to the book, mm-hmm. and so that scene where Raoul, where the Phantom, you know, disappears oh, yeah. at the Masquerade Ball, and Raoul jumps in. To, yeah. Uh, oh, in the mirrors. In the right? mirrors. Yes, I that, that apparently is in the book, or the Phantom will trap people there to drive them insane. Mm-hmm. And so that was a, a, a reference to the book. Yeah. Um, it now, was very Wicked Witch of the West of him to, you know, fire, flame, and, ah. you know, trapdoor. Um, so, did you know... Oh, boy. Here we go. ...that uh, Gerard Butler... Was, was in not, the movie? I did. Well, I did yes, notice he's he was the Phantom. Uh, and as my mom quotes it uh, when he was... Uh, <laughs> she was actually watching this the other day. She was like, oh, yeah, when he was, when he was young and fit. And I'm like... 
I mean, I mean, if she were talking like Russell Crowe, because Russell Crowe is like a whale now, which is crazy. Because he I, didn't I, used to be at all. I know, dude. If you watch Gladiator, like, what happened? Like, dude. And then, you, then you go watch Nice Guys, and then you're like, oh my god, I like this Russell Crowe more. Yeah, Nice Guys is amazing. Nice Guys Russell Crowe is top-notch Russell Crowe. You were in the pool? <laughs> That's my favorite part. I was interviewing the mermaids. What were you doing? <laughs> were you? Anyway, um, we should do an episode on that later. Oh, but, fuck yes. Um, anyway, but we're talking about Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. So... Um, yeah, so that's I, I'm telling you that's the only song I didn't like is explain to me what a masquerade ball is. You know what? Go to hell, movie. I know what a masquerade ball is. Okay, you don't have to do this whole song and dance telling me what it is. I know what it is. All right. Um, but other than that, I mean, the movie's fine. Uh, I can, dude. I could actually picture you in your room, like. What? I said it out loud in my room. I was like, I know what a masquerade ball is, movie. Anyway, um, were you were you were you playing the I want to fast forward but I shouldn't game? Like, <laughs> no, no. It, oh, can I tell you the funniest thing that mm. I, I thought it was so funny? What? So I last week started the movie. I okay. think it was maybe the night. It was probably last Saturday when I left here. I started watching it okay. on Netflix. <laughs> I go back to finish it today. They took it off Netflix today. No shit. <laughs> it's like it's been on there for years. And now you take it off? I need to watch. So I, I had already bought it just in case. Because I was wow. going to give it to mom afterward because she didn't have a copy. And I was like, all right, well, once I'm done with this, I can give it to her or whatever. Um, and yeah, I was just blown away. Like, <laughs> of course. Of course it's gone. So. Uh, then I don't remember where I was. So did you. Um, did you find it strange that the Phantom uh, just. Has a thing for strangling people? He does like to strangle. That I don't have a problem with. <laughs> um, I Listen, <laughs> this was a real risky move. I don't know if you could do this today, uh, but Joel Schumacher cast a, a 16-year-old girl. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, we were for, talking about this off mic. For this this role, which is fine. It's Amy <clears throat> Russell. I'm in love with Amy Russell. I think she's great. Um, well, so is Joel Schumacher, apparently. He loves her. Wow. Um, well, he's, he, it's okay. He's gay. Oh, is he really? Yeah. I honestly like, didn't know that. flamboyantly gay. Interesting. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Listen, I'm just saying <laughs> that, you know, she's she's got a hardcore make-out with these two dudes, and these two dudes are in their 30s at the time. Yeah, you know what uh, I mean? We got I think Gerard, Patrick we got Wilson Patrick. was at his, like, he was in, like, 31, and Gerard was, like, 35. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. She right? had to make out with two dudes. I mean, like... Like, yeah, we know it's a movie. I mean, for her, it's probably like, that's what's up. But for these guys, it's like, no way. Like, like <laughs> where's Chris Hansen? I know a trap on a seat one. He's going to walk in and be like, have a seat. <laughs> so what were you here to do today? Shoot a movie, you said? You know? And, <laughs> and Gerard's still in his makeup with a mask. Yeah, like, like, um, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, she's 16. Ago. Yeah, I mean. It's, it's, oh, wait, he's Scottish. You got to. I can't do a Scottish accent. I wish. <laughs> I can't. I, I, um, it takes me a minute to get there. But, yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, when I read that, I was like, she's 16. Yeah. Yeah, dude. When I'm watching this, she's 16. Um, and when Emmy Rossum hasn't aged No, I mean, she looks great. She's amazing. I love Emmy Rossum. Shameless. Shout out to Shameless. I love she's not on Shameless anymore, dog. I know, dog. Season, two, uh, season nine was her last season. Yeah, dude. That's why I'm not watching anymore, dog. Um, but not for William H. Macy? Nah, dude. I mean, I love me some William H. Macy, but, I mean, it was really good for the Emmy Rossum, but... <laughs> Um, <laughs> I do love Lady Tracy. Uh, in fact, he's in the movie we're going to do next week, but um, we'll get there. So, 
I guess my problem is, is like, I don't know. I mean, really, I shouldn't have a problem with it because it's not a big deal. They're actors, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? I, I think it's because, like, you know, in most films, you have you cast like a you know a twenty year old to play a sixteen year old, you know. So then when she, how when, old is she supposed to be? I think sixteen because they nailed it. Yes, actually, yes. Oh, because okay. on her gravestone when it shows when she was born and mm-hmm. like when the film is taking place, I did some math and yeah, she's supposed to be sixteen. Oh, okay, cool. So so yeah, they nailed it. What about Raúl? Uh, How old is Raul supposed to be? I don't know because he's not dead at the at the beginning of the movie. He's still I know, an old dude, fucking man. He's so old, dude. And so I had to look it up because they did for movie in two thousand four. Oh no, the the prosthetics. Was they great. nailed those prosthetics. I'm like, there's no way that's Patrick Wilson. Yeah, there's no way. Oh, I didn't realize until I think the third flashback, and I was like, oh, that's Patrick Wilson. <laughs> yeah, because um, I read that like he was the his prosthetic makeup was. The most extensive out of all the prosthetic makeup they had to do. So, you know, uh, Gerard Butler's with... It's like with, four hours. Yeah. Well, and did you know that he, he could actually, gross. like, relax his eyelid? And so the, the scene when she when they reveal, yeah, he's doing it. And so his eyelid is, is drooped down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess he couldn't hold it like uh, Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. Oh, yeah. So, because then later on... His eyelid's fine. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't remember looking at that. And I was like, wow, that must be uncomfortable. You know, can yeah. you blank? You know? Yeah. Um, but, he, yeah, but he can't do it for long, I guess. But, um, man. And there's so, man. Just. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this. Okay. Ask ask me. Ask me. <sighs> okay. Again, I want to preface this. Well, I, have, I have absolutely no problem with musicals. Okay. okay? I like I, t- I was telling you earlier, like as soon as I finished this one, I was like, I need to watch one I like, and I put in Chicago, right? Well, I Chic- actually love Chicago. Oh, Chicago's amazing. Dude, sidebar. So the movie Chicago, based on a play, yeah. which is based on um, a play that was not a musical, then was based on a book. Oh. It was like... I did four know. levels of inception right there. That's like, yeah, that's the inception of musicals. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I put in Chicago and I love Sweeney Todd. I thought that was great. Um, but really, what I like is music movies, which are not the same thing. So, so like, I'm like, talking um, your almost famous Inside Lewin Davis, Begin Again, uh, Walk Hard, Story Dewey Cox. Yes. So, what these are, <laughs> yes, they're musical performances, but it doesn't, it's not a, a break in the diegesis like this is. Like, this is a total break in the diegetic narrative. Right, 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 right. And so, which that's not what music films are, which is, I don't know. Um, but, you know, and also, this is the first time we've done an episode where I've never seen this movie before. So, this is, ah. this is the first time. That I'm catching you off guard. Yes, that nice. I I have not seen this movie before in my life. So I remember mom loving it very, mm-hmm. very much. Um, you know, like we always say, every time she brings up Patrick Wilson, it's <gasps> he was a fan of the opera. <laughs> he has a beautiful singing voice. And he does. Yeah. So sings like a damn angel. So Patrick Wilson and Emmy Rosam were classically trained singers. I wanna say that they in the in the behind the scenes Patrick Wilson had done some theater before, because this was his first, as I mentioned off mic, his first theatrical performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and Emmy, I believe, had done some musicals before this. So they were both classically trained, so they knew how to pitch and do that. Gerard, on the other hand, 
was not. Oh, I'm shocked to find. <laughs> of course, you know, <laughs> he was the one who sang the least good. Well, no, he, no, he because he worked with um, he worked with the coach, and <clears throat> excuse me, everyone. And as I recently learned from the GQ, you know, iconic characters breakdown that he did, he actually almost turned it down because he was like, I I can't sing. Uh, there's no way I can do this. And Joel apparently was like, just work with the coach. I think he. I thought I think, you were going to do a Joel, Ma- Joel Schumacher accent for a second. And I was I, like, oh, my God. I, I was <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I've been trying to nail Joel's accent. Yeah, since the first time I actually heard him talk, and I've never been able to figure it out. It's hard because yeah. it's it's like because I think he's from New York, but it's like but it's not like the standard New York accent. Mm-hmm. But anyway, anyway. Uh, but Joel, I think I gave gave him like a window, like I want to say it was like a week, like you know, work with this coach. If you're still not feeling it, then that's okay. And I think after like working with him, like the coach really was like. I think you can do this. Mm-hmm. I believe I believe in you. I know you can do this. And so then Gerard was like, all right, I'll do it. And uh, I think he did great, but he did fine. I, I was talking to mom today because I called her and I was telling her I was watching this movie. Actually, the way I told her I was watching it <laughs> was I called her and I was like, dude, this Raul's a snake, right? <laughs> She's like, what do, you, what do you mean? I go, Raul. You know, from Family, Raul. from Family of the Opera. She's like, oh, yeah, no, he's not. I go, yes, he is. Look, he's being so put. That was when I was at that scene. And she goes, oh, my God, have you heard him sing yet? I was like, mom, calm down. Uh, <laughs> Cool. I was like, yeah, I've heard him. He's 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 amazing. And she goes, I know, right? He's so handsome. I was like, I know, mom. And handsome. I wonder how much of that was wig or if Patrick Wilson really had grown his hair out that I'd long. I'd like to think he did because it's long in um, all the right places. Watchmen. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's not like stu- super long. It's I mean, I'm just saying same he length. has the capability of growing it long. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. It was long in Watchmen and whatever. Um, yeah. But what was the question I was going to ask you? Right. The question I was going to ask you. <laughs> so the, when when she takes off his mask the last time, right, uh-huh. where we actually get to see his gross-ass face, right? Uh-huh. Because it's gross. Right. Um, his hair's different, right? Right. What? <laughs> she just took off the mask. She didn't take off a wig. She did take off a wig. She did take off a wig? Yes. So the mask is connected to a wig, but it wasn't the first time she took it off. Because we're meant to believe that it's it's all part of the illusion that he has created. Mm-hmm. That, yes, there is something wrong with his face, but it's just his face. Mm-hmm. So when she takes it off, but that's why we don't fully see it. Mm-hmm. Even though he stands directly in front of a mirror, we don't fully see, We just see maybe some scarring right here. Yeah. It's not until the final reveal that we reveal that this whole side of his face has not grown hair and mm-hmm. it's very scarred mm-hmm. and, you know, from years of abuse with those gypsies, man. Ah, oh, gypsies. I know, dude. That's where he got his uh, taste for strangling. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, you got to think. He, he, he straight up strangles that dude in front of the monkey in front of Madame Jury. Yeah. And she was like, you know what? I need to protect this kid. Yeah. Like, not the fact that he just committed murder. Well, then he strangles the... Uh, the the peeping Tom... Uh, the production guy, right? Mr. Gibbs. Yeah. 
Uh, I just know he's Mr. Gibbs from Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. I don't know his actual name. Oh, my name. God. Is that who that yeah, was? Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're right. And Sorry. Um, and he's a peeping Tom. He's kind of an asshole. I'm yeah, like, I mean, I'm yeah, like, he's Mr. Asshole. Gibbs. Yeah, he's an asshole in this one. Um, I mean, but... And like, he gets straight up hung. He does. From those rafters, dog. Yeah, dog. I mean, I was like, that was up. Because, <laughs> like... I mean, it's pretty baller. I mean, he let everyone see it. And I was kind of like, you know what? Play was kind of boring up till then anyway. So uh, it was like, whoa, excitement. You know, well, I mean, because they didn't do what the Phantom said. Uh, Christine needs to be in the lead. That's uh, right. Kalada needs to have the non-speaking mm. role. That was the, the sing-songy uh, note um, sort of thing where they're like, hey, you wrote me this note. No, I didn't. Hey, you wrote me this note. No, I didn't. Hey, you wrote me. Th-. And I was like, oh, I think the Phantom wrote all those notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I might have said that out loud in my room, too. <laughs> Was oh I think the Phantom did it. Yeah, well, because you know they, because because again it's all part of the illusion. You know he's playing on. Well, who would have reason to send me this note? Oh, the new managers, or if it's right. Colada, like oh it was the Vicon. She he had more reason to send me this note about yeah. Christine taking my and place. By the way, was was Patrick Wilson sitting in the box that was supposed to be left empty? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, uh, dude, uh, Patrick Wilson was flexing nuts from day one. He was flexing nuts, and that's why I thought he was a bad guy. <laughs> and I'm still not convinced he wasn't. Also, <laughs> also I think the Phantom is a bad guy, and uh, Amy Russell is better off with somebody else. <laughs> Well, okay. why does it have to be up to these two dudes? There's because, other dudes. Because, because, so the whole thing is, you know, the Phantom showed her, and this is going to sound so corny. There we go. But it is, I mean, it, it spells it out for you in the fucking movie. Um, he showed her the music of the night. He showed her uh, that, you know, that darkness isn't scary, that it's not... <clears throat> you know, f- to be feared. Then, of course, you know, Raoul is her childhood sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And so she's always been in love with him. I see. But, you know, now, again, it's a it's a lover's quarrel. It's a, it's a love triangle. Yeah, you know, she loves both of these men and they hate each other because Raoul, it's a, the situation is they see each other for who they really are. Mm-hmm. Raoul sees the Phantom as evil. Uh, the Phantom sees him as Trying to take Christine away. All of that is correct, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I that may be my main problem with the movie is that I did not see a hero besides Christine. I I was just like, well, they there, can, there, there is no hero. They can all go away. I don't care. There, the the point of this is that there is, I mean, there is some solace in a happy ending. Which, as you know me, I don't like happy endings. Yeah, I know you. So, but there's that, no hero, yeah. you know, because because the Phantom is. Yeah, he, well, the Phantom is almost a, an anti-hero. Oh. Well, he's an anti-hero because, yes, he kills, but he also has shown capacity for love. But then at the same time, he is... I did really like that instead of, because they couldn't get it to look like her, uh, the... Uh, the the mannequin? This, yeah. No, that was her. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> they couldn't get it to look like her, and so they just had her just do well, it. Actually, well, they had, uh, from what I understand... Because I read, I read something about it. They, they had a, not really a prosthetic, but like a sculpt of her face. Yeah, and it was a tiny bit off. Yeah, like it was her eyes that were off, like the color of her eyes. And so she said, well, "Why don't I just stand there?" Yeah. And so they put like some makeup on her face to make her look a little bit more waxy. Mm-hmm. 
And Joel was like, all right, now you got to don't still. move. Don't move. And we only recognize that it's not her at the very end when, when, when the curtain is pulled back. Mm-hmm. And we really see that this has all been some grand illusion that he is been pulling the strings and that's when we notice that the mannequin looks nothing like her he's made it to look like her but still is it's off i mean which i liked again yeah. there's a lot of stuff in this i liked i just uh, it's just not for me i don't know no. um I, well i wish it was chicago <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sorry i couldn't give you richard greer okay oh man i wish uh i guy's handsome too Catherine zeta jones before her uh quote-unquote I didn't get plastic surgery. Catherine Zeta-Jones is amazing in that. Oh, no, not Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger is amazing in she Chicago. Is, but uh, she claims she didn't get plastic surgery, but mm, she looks completely different. Yes, and <laughs> uh, I refuse to watch anything with her until she goes back to how she looked. Oh. Anyway. I don't know if they can face uh, it. Um, which, I mean, as Mickey Rourke has showed us, that's impossible. So, <sighs> poor Especially Mickey. if you get fucked up in a boxing match, too. Poor Mickey. You know, oh, man. So anyway, um, <laughs> back to back to Chicago. Um, yeah, so Chicago, I love. And <laughs> okay, what if I just turn this whole thing around and made it a Chicago episode? Oh my god! High five and a million angels. That'd be great. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this, man. What did you think of the ending of the film? Like, um, like the the final confrontation between Rao, the Phantom, and Christine. Oh, I was very confused. Uh, <laughs> okay, because I want to get your opinion on it, because I have racked my brain for it for years, and I finally figured it out. Okay. So I want to get your opinion before I tell you what I figured out. Okay. So, uh, so this is this is where um, they're they're in the, the canals, that's what I call it, and that's his little magic canal place where the candelabras are in the water. Right, right. And, and he's got Raoul strung up on yeah. a gate. Yeah. And he's making, he's giving Christine an ultimatum. Yeah. And, that, then, and then I'm like, bitch, <laughs> you're still into these dudes? First off, this guy is a homicidal maniac, and this guy's weak enough to get caught by him. So it's like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so so the ultimatum is if she chooses the fandom, he'll let Raoul go. Yeah. But if he if she rejects him, he's going to kill Raoul. So it's and like if you choose Raul, no. if you choose Raul, <laughs> then it's like you might as well not choose Raul because he's just gonna die anyway. You no. know what I mean? Um, it's very very strange. Also, this was at the part where <laughs> I was just so fixated on his hair was different because I didn't see a wig come off, and so I was like, "Wait a minute!" If you if you go back and rewatch it, which I have a feeling you won't, it's very possible that I won't. You are um, right. When she takes it off, you mm-hmm. see the whole wig go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, because if you notice, his hair is because because I was I mean I was so <laughs> fixated on his hair the whole movie because I was like, wow, why does he even wear the mask? Look how great his hair looks. No one's even gonna be focused on twenty five percent of his face. Look at his hair. Um. Well, and Joel did a lot of really good trickery in the final scene of the um. I call it the point of no return because mm-hmm. that's the song they're singing. And uh, sidebar, that's the only song I really don't like a word that Emmy says. Mm-hmm. So she's singing, she's singing, she's talking about the, I think the blood begins to race. And she says rice. Like she overemphasizes the A in race. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the only part I'm like, ugh. 
Not the Masquerade song? No. You like the Masquerade yeah. song? That's insane. Well, it's because I played it in orchestra. That's the only reason why I like it. All right. Anyway, um, but everything leading – when they're walking up the stairs, everything's fine. But then when they're facing each other at the very top, that if you look really closely, you can tell he's wearing a wig. I see. Um, nice. Because because again, the curtain is being pulled back. The illusion is being. I see. Yeah. Anyway, so makes sense. So the final scene. So so he's making Christine shoes, and then what does she do, Jeremy? Oh um um oh boy. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I know the answer to this because Excuse I just me. watched the movie today. So I'm not stalling. I'm just telling you that I know the answer because I watched so, the movie. So tell me today. the answer. Oh, okay, great. So the answer, of course, very simple because, again, I watched the movie today, um, is she She says, um, yeah, I choose you, bro beans. And um, the Phantom's like, tight. <laughs> and then something happens and I don't remember what it was and he goes forget it go away you know okay and then I don't know what happened in between yeah dude I'll choose you and forget it I changed my mind take Raul okay so let me let me explain it to you okay. let me mansplain it to you oh boy here we go let me, let me mansplain love to you okay <laughs> um I mean you mansplain feminism to me so that's true it's, it's time for me to mansplain love yeah right so okay so the whole time he is still convinced the reason why Christine doesn't love him anymore is because of his face. And even though she blatantly sings to him, she doesn't tell him, she sings to him, because the, the last 15 minutes is the last song, um, Is it's, it has nothing to do with your face, it has everything to do with your soul. That he is willing to kill and that he's willing to... Do whatever it takes. Because he's the villain. Okay, go yes. ahead. One of them. Because you know, Raul's the other one. Uh, anyway. And so, um, and so she especially sees that in the ultimatum that that I could know that I, I can't, I can never love you. Right. Because it's not your face that scares me. It's your, you know, it's your heart. Yeah. But in that moment, she realizes he's never been shown kindness. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't necessarily show, choose him. She shows him a kindness when she's kissing him mm-hmm. because she's almost accepting him face and all yeah. for exactly how he is. And he's, again, he's never been shown this level of kindness before. Uh-huh. So that's why he flips the switch and is like, like, like he, he, it's almost like he finally sees the wrong. Oh, that's right. And so now he's like, no, okay. Get out. Go. But take Raul. Get him out of there. But at the same time, he he's still in love with her and he he doesn't want to lose her, but he knows that Raul's best for her. And then he turns out he's a million years old because he's still there when Patrick Wilson's there. Yeah. Um Well yeah. it's you don't it's implied because her, her engagement ring is on her uh Right, right, right. With the with the rose, rose. and the black yeah, ribbon. And dude, ah, it's just it's just a good love story, man. Um, and then Andrew had to ruin it with a sequel. Yeah, it has a sequel. I did not know that. Um, so in the early two thousands, a author who I don't know uh, wrote a sequel to the book, and it's called. Are you allowed to do that? 
Huh? <laughs> Are you allowed to do that? I mean, yeah, considering that the original author of The Phantom of the Opera is dead. Well, yeah, but I mean, still, I mean, um, there's got to be some legality into just writing a sequel to not your intellectual property. Uh, nah. Gaston Leroux is his name, by the Gaston? way. Gaston? Gaston. Leroux. We were, just, we were just talking about Gaston. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the, the second book... Fuck. Hang on. Give me five whole... Seconds. Okay. Well, it, while you're doing that. It will literally only take me a second because I, holy shit, I know exactly where it is. Oh, my God. Um, Squeakle. Yeah. Oh, so it's Phantom of the Upper 2, A Tale of Two Kitties? Yeah. Okay. So it's from, <laughs> so it's from 99. It's yeah. called The Phantom of Manhattan, and it's from Frederick Forsyth. Um, and essentially the plot is so it's the Muppets take Manhattan yeah uh, it's essentially it's essentially the first movie but in Manhattan and so Andrew Lloyd Webber saw that and was like okay I'm gonna make a sequel and the sequel is called Love Never Dies uh huh it's alright uh, there's only one song on there that's super good um is it, and, a, is it explaining to you what a masquerade ball is uh, <laughs> I'll no. never get over that it makes me furious that they do that, and I hate it. All right, um, but essentially, the the sequel is how Andrew describes it. It's kind of like in its own pocket. It is a sequel with the same characters, Christine, the Phantom, Raoul, and their son. Yeah, they have a son in this one. Um, but they're in a new setting, so it's not a direct sequel. So essentially, Christine's opera career is exploding. Oh, she's getting big, dog. Nice. Like, RDJ big. Oh, nice. Um, and she gets a letter from Manhattan, from a uh, company in Manhattan that wants her to start performing at their opera house. Uh-huh. And she goes. Okay. What she doesn't know is the, it's, 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 it's the Phantom. But or, wait, but, oh, because the Phantom escapes. Yeah, dog. At the end, dog. Yeah, dog. Okay. Um, and that's all I know. Oh, okay. I don't know what the fuck happens. And so that's, he, that's, he, <laughs> he goes and terrorizes another opera house. Yeah, but he uh, he wants Christine back. Okay. Um, the best song on there is called uh, "Till I Hear You Sing," mm-hmm. which is the Phantom pretty much singing that nothing else matters until I hear you sing again. I should say. Right. Um, Makes the, sense. The the single didn't run that long. I can only imagine why. <laughs> because it's no Phantom of the Opera. It's just Love Never Dies. The squeakle. The squeakle. Um, uh, Tale of Two Kids. Tale of Two Kids. Um, but yeah, man. <laughs> the Phantom so, takes Manhattan. No, oh, that's amazing. Thank you. That's a good one. Um, um, but yeah, so and so the movie, you know, Joel. I feel like Joel did some of did kind of what he did with Batman, you know, like making it very colorful and bright. Yes, but again, I liked a lot of the stuff he did. Like, it, like the opening is phenomenal. I really dug that a mm-hmm. lot. And then it just went into Phantom of the Opera, and it turns out I don't like Phantom of the Opera, so that's that's not on me. It's on them for making a musical. Well, that I like. And um, they added in a scene for the movie. What they add. Um, it's the graveyard scene where Raoul and the Phantom have a sword fight because they were never able to do that for the actual stage production. Mm-hmm. And Andrew gave his blessing and they added in that scene because they wanted to add some more drama between the Phantom and Raoul. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, that's one of my favorite songs is... is um, Shit, what the fuck is it called? There's no way I'm going to be able to tell you. <laughs> um, 
I didn't know these songs had names. It's called uh, Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again, okay. which is Christine's song to her father. Because, uh-huh. you know, yeah. I love that one. It's well, played by the actor who will eventually go on to play the Phantom um, in the stage production, by the way. The guy who played her father. Well, yeah, no, yeah, he played, yeah, he was one of the, like, several films yeah. that they had. Yeah. So, um... And he also ended up playing Raul, too, in the stage mm-hmm. production. So he's played all three major roles. Yeah. So there is, uh, there is something I do want to talk to you about. Um... Okay. Uh, something I'm sure you probably don't really care about. Well, let's, so let's find out. In the, uh, from what I understand, in the stage production, the fandom was always supposed to have a higher-pitched voice. Amazing. So he sings in, um... Soprano? Alto? Yeah, I think it's alto. So he's supposed to have Dude, a I'm higher... guessing, homie. So he's supposed to have a higher-pitched Instead voice. Instead of baritone? Um, baritone. And when they cast Gerard Butler, they were really testing his vocal range with his coach, and he couldn't get that high. Oh, no. So they lowered it to soprano. Okay. Because that's how high his voice could get. And then when uh, they did the sequel, Love It Never Dies... Um, Andrew really liked how Gerard played the Phantom, and so he kind of melded the voices. Really? So how interesting. I'll send you a link to uh, "Till I Hear You Sing" of, of that Phantom's voice. Okay. Because he does a mix of where he can really get up high, but then his voice kind of gets in this nice middle ground. Okay. It's kind of like what happened with Russell Crowe and Les Mis. <laughs> Um, now, I did mention that to mom. I, I was like, you know, because I talked about Gerard, you know, and I go, and Gerard's, okay. <laughs> and she goes, I know. I go, but who's better, um, him or Russell Crowe? She goes, oh, Russell Crowe's all. <laughs> she was like, oh, he's terrible. Well, because, so the so the, so the whole thing with Russell Crowe and Les Mis is Javert in the stage production is supposed to have a much higher pitched voice uh, when he sings. And Russell Crowe could not from what I said, could he could not get that high, and so they're like, it's okay, all fat weighing down, and so like, okay, let's let's lower it some more, we'll lower it a little bit, and he couldn't get that high, and so they're like, okay, how high can you sing? And he, he sings, and they're like, okay, that's where you'll sing from now on. <laughs> um, a friend of mine, Matt, who um, I I told what we were going to talk about this, um, hates. Russell Crowe and Lame It. Well, he hates the song, the main song that Russell Crowe sings, which is Stars, which I love. I love how Russell Crowe sings it. I mean, it. it's like the whole thing is a song because they don't ever speak in dialogue. It's all singing. Okay, so that's the point, dude. I know and, it's the point. I'm just saying it's and, weird that they you can and, differentiate. And Cameron McIntosh, who produced the original Phantom of the Opera and the Phantom of the Opera movie, mm-hmm. also produced Lame It. Yeah. I also produced the movie as well. Hmm. Um, or something else I going to mention. Uh, I don't know. Ah, shit. Oh, weird. Yeah. Oh, um, so did you not like that the Phantom only sang and only had like two lines where he spoke? That was fine. I mean, again, I, I don't again, have a problem no, with it. That was also the point. Don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying, I guess the story, I don't like. Or it's not that I don't like it. It's just it's not for me. I don't. It's not that I just don't have a. 
a visceral reaction to it like I do other films that I love very much, like uh, Predestination. I know this is apples and oranges, but um, you know, no one can see that your your fists my f- are balled up because I I, I want <laughs> I wanted to like it so bad. I, I went into it like, dude, I'm gonna love this. This is gonna be tight, and I was like, oh no, I don't. <laughs> oh no. I don't like it. I, th- I think, I, I honestly think it's, you know, because critics had a problem with the script. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't have a problem with the direction. They didn't have a problem with Emmy Gerard or Patrick Wilson. Which is strange because Andrew Lloyd Webber helped write the script. And also so did Joel. Well, Joel helped go. with the screenplay. Well, there you go. <laughs> and uh, they 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 had a they had a lot of problem with the dialogue. They had a lot of problem with the. Um, well, that was mainly it. The dialogue, the the pacing they liked. The well, direction. there's very little dialogue. So I mean, that's. But the the dialogue that's there is important, right? Yeah. And so you got to nail it. Yeah. Uh, which I agree, uh, because again, me thinking that. You know, Raul is a bad guy. Wow. Yeah. Me thinking, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, Raul. <laughs> me thinking Raul is going to end up being a bad guy because of how he's delivering his dialogue. Yeah. It's it, not good. It, because he, was, he was being very, uh, very pushy, very rapey. Very, uh, very, very no means yesy, you know, very Cosby ish. Very, uh, very, um, uh, Sean Connery, James Bond. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes. No. <laughs> yes, you do. Fifty no's and a yes means yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Family Guy. I, I, I know. <laughs> um, I do not support that. I just like the joke. I do. I mean, I don't know, man. I, just, I wanted to like it so bad because I have friends who love this. And, you know, my mom loves it. And I was just like, all right, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> which is good. I guess it means I don't like everything. <laughs> well, I mean. that would be lame if I liked everything. But, you know. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's – it resonates with people differently, you know? Like, for me, you know, I've played some of the songs on my violin in orchestra in high school, you know. I've seen the 1920s film, uh, you know, and Cats was my first introduction to Andrew Lloyd Webber, which I still is I still regard as one of my favorite musicals. Cool. Can you sing Memories for me real quick? Man. No. Memories – all alone in the moonlight. Uh, and I am um, so scared, dude, that no, nothing against Jennifer Hudson. She, she's a great actress and a great Hudson. singer. I don't want her to ruin that song because they've already hinted that she's going to be singing that song. Yeah. And oh, Jesus Christ, dude, I have well, so. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, there's so many problems I have with this fucking movie, dude. Like, oh. The only good choice they made was this. Casting Ian McKellen as Gus the theater cat. I do like Because that is such an emotional part of the the musical. Because, you know, the whole point of the musical is old Deuteronomy, the the oldest cat of the the, the leader of, of the Jellico cats, is going to choose a cat to be reborn. And everyone thinks it's Gus, especially when he... He, he he tells his tale of you know tale tale <laughs> shut up sorry um, <laughs> sings his song there you go, go. Uh, about how his time in the theater and seeing all the legends of the stage and how he even got to act it's such a 
emotional song and emotional part, and Ian McKellen is going to nail it. That is the only good thing about that movie. I do really like Ian McKellen. Now, as do I. I'm going to pitch something here on air. Okay. Um, oh, God. So, yeah, that's what right. I just agree to? Well, I don't know. We're about to find out. You can agree or not. So, um, after next week, I believe it is our last few episodes of the season. Right. Um, and last season, season, quotes, I mean, they're arbitrary. They mean nothing. It's just an excuse for us to take another picture. Um, so... Last season, we did the 80s, right? Right. We did four episodes of the 80s. Here's my pitch. I think I... I'm starting to get on the same wavelength, because I was going to ask you something. So, I want to do my favorite from stage to screen adaptations. Oh, okay. That's not what I think is... No. I thought you were... Since we're in December now, uh, you're going to want to talk about uh, favorite Christmas movies. No. And I've been like... Okay. No, that was not my pitch at all. Um, I'm I'm thinking that we do, you know, like, um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? We can do Bug. We can do Sunset Limited. And are we... Uh, stage to screen. So we can do musicals. That's not what I said. <laughs> but what if it started off, you know, what, but what if, what if, what if, what if there was a musical that was on stage that became a movie? Because uh-huh. I did just... Re-listen to the producer soundtrack. Uh, oh, the producers? I fucking love the producers. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, then, yeah, we can do the producers, I guess. Well, um, I mean, I'm not saying we have to do the producers. Right. I mean, I mean anyway. That's just, that's just what I'm pitching you. I'm pitching you this, um, <laughs> that, you know, because I, we did Family of the Opera, which is great. Uh, not my thing. My favorite stage productions are non-musicals. Okay. Uh, like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Bug. Sunset Limited, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, Killer Joe, stuff like that. So every time I hear Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, I think of that scene in Zach and Marie make a porno. Like, when he's talking with Justin Long and he's like, yeah, you know, mostly all male uh, movies. Oh, like Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross? More like Glenn and Gary, Glenn and Gary uh, stuff their meaty cocks in Ross's mouth. <laughs> Is that a sequel? More like an erotic reimagining <laughs> with less women. Virtually no women. <laughs> Are you a gay porn? <laughs> there's there's no women at Glen Gary Glen Ross, by the way. Um, anyway, that's my pitch because I love right. uh, I love plays. All right. So. Yeah. All right, I'll, cool. I'll do some research. Course, after next week because next week is very exciting. Okay. Well, I will let you tease next week because I know I have not seen this movie. Okay, great. So, and I just want to say, I don't hate this movie, um, Fan of the Opera, okay. just not for me. Um, okay. It's kind of like when I made you watch The House that Jack built. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I didn't... Because dis- I did feel bad I didn't like this movie until I was like, oh, wait, but he didn't like The House that Jack built. So we're yeah, I, I was indifferent with that. I was just kind of like... And I'm indifferent with this one. Even right. though The House of Jack built's a masterpiece. Anyway, so <laughs> um, next week... I'm very excited. Uh, I already gave you uh, one of my copies uh, that you can borrow to watch sometime this week. Okay. Uh, it is Paul Thomas Anderson's film Magnolia, uh, which is interweaving storylines that all connect 
at the end. So it's like Babel. It's like Babel. It's like Amores Perros. It's like 21 Grams. Man. But it's not like any of those because it's Paul Thomas Anderson. Um... Also, it's three hours. Holy so, shit. Um, but well, it's all right. I mean, Endgame was three hours. You're going to love it because, you know, it has probably the best Tom Cruise performance well, okay. I've ever seen. Uh, Tom yeah. Cruise has never been better. I, yeah, you know, and I don't dislike Tom Cruise, but, I mean, he, he does one movie. Yeah, he does a lot of action stuff. This is the opposite. So That's good. This is, like, back to, like, his Rain Man days or... Color of Money, or or uh, what's it? What's it? What's that? What's the one where he's a fucking NASCAR driver? Thunder Road oh, or something? Uh, Days of Thunder. <laughs> That's right. I knew Thunder was in the title. Thunder Road is a um, is from Greece. Well, a Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're gonna love it. I love it. I've seen it countless times. All right. Um, don't. Um, there's lots of little surprises, so okay. I would do less research and just watch the movie. Okay. I mean, that's, um, I'll be real. That's usually what I do. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Because uh, there's I, lots of fun surprises that happen. I, I usually do my research after I watch the movie. There you but. go. So Magnolia next week. Well, we hope uh, everyone enjoyed uh, us talking about Phantom of the Opera and Jeremy uh, kind of digging in. But, uh, I did my best. You know what? Uh, I hope Joel enjoyed because you know we have not done a full episode for no, Joel. No, we have not done a full Joel um, episode. Joel uh don't get used to this. <laughs> There's not many we can pick after this by the way that we could actually sit and talk about. Phone booth is like I'm thin ice. All right? <laughs> but I like it. All right? I mean and we already did Lost Boys in our 80s month. Oh, that's so. right. And so. I- that's it, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> that's it for the maybe number twenty three, just because. Uh, yeah. I do love that was that one was things in that movie. I tried watching it recently. Uh-huh. I was like, oh no, <laughs> it hasn't aged well. I told everyone I like this movie. <laughs> You're like, ah, ah, start calling people like, uh, yeah. <laughs> never mind. I, I I I can't. It's not good. You know, and and they're like, it broke my heart that it wasn't good. I was like, oh no, I was stupid. <laughs> And, and then they're like, when Jeremy, this kid, was like uh, six years ago. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, man. Nothing. Uh, it didn't. It, it doesn't hold up. Not for me anyway. Dude, I uh, <laughs> I, I gave a, a very harsh critique of my favorite Star Wars movies today. And when I got to the last one, uh, I said, Attack of the Clones is the worst one. And the guy was talking. That's a hot take. And, but and I'd they, agree with you. And they were like, "Why?" I'm like, "Because it, it's a it's bad. It's it's a bad movie." They're like, "Well, why?" I'm like, "Because it's bad. Because the, the entire movie is fucking animated, okay?" And and they're like, "Well, yeah." I'm like, "I'm like, okay, okay. Points for George because this is the technology he wanted to use. But did he have to animate the entire movie?" I was like, <laughs> "Natalie Portman is talking to no one," and I'm like, "And and the CGI doesn't hold up." I was like, "Explain to me." how the CGI doesn't hold up, but Revenge of the Sith, which was like two years later, the CGI holds up. How the fuck does that make sense? I don't know. I saw the movie when it came out, and that's about it. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) we hope everyone enjoyed, and uh, we will see you next week. See you guys.
care.